It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Thursday edition of East Coast Bias. John Jastrzemski. Raheem Palmer, my lost comrade Joe House, who we missed last week with all of the super festivities we had going on in Las Vegas. We had a great East Coast Bias show from the set. We had a great Ringer Wise Guys show from the set. Uh, uh, first things first, House, I got to commend you and, and all of our friends over at FanDuel TV because to quote Paul McCartney, you were here, there, and everywhere, dude. It was impressive. We made it happen. Uh, you know, I was presented with the opportunity of coming and joining you guys on set, or I could just stay at the buffet. I think, you know, I, I kind of have a reputation um, for which way I'm going to lean as far as that. I've only been doing, you know, this TV thing for about a year now. I've been eating my whole life, JJ. I mean, you know, the choice between the buffet and, and the TV set, you know which way that's going to go every time. No doubt about it. You are a savant for your food. And, and let's be honest, Raheem, I, I, you know, House could have enjoyed us watching the game on Sunday, could have been on the great FanDuel TV sets that they had set up for us at Radio Row. I, I think House had the most FOMO when we're posting the big family dinner at Carbone on Tuesday night. Yeah, we ate really good at Car- Carbone. I mean, we had even Rosillo came to join us. So we had a great time and it was lots of great meals all around. So House definitely missed it. Hopefully next year in New Orleans. We can get some jambalaya in together. That's got to happen. House, you would have been impressed with Rosillo, by the way. Coming incognito to Carbone, walks up to the table. He's got the St. Louis Cardinals hat. I'm thinking it's just a fan of the show. I had no idea. And I'm like, holy smokes, Ryan Rosillo, pull up a chair. You got to join us for dinner. So we had a great week. Um, Sensitive subject for me because, guys, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Second year in a row, I have faded Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Second year in a row, I've had my heart broken. And I did cash in on Raheem's 10-1 to Kansas City bet that was sitting there waiting for me in my FanDuel account. whoop freaking do I'm sorry. I didn't feel good about it. I was rooting for the Niners. I'm sick of the Chiefs. I got Chief fatigue up the wazoo. But this is where I got to commend you, Dream. You saw the future. You stated it on our Wise Guy show when the Kansas City Chiefs, mind you, were only four to four and a half point favorites against the depleted Miami Dolphins. They then proceeded to be underdogs in three consecutive playoff games. Buffalo won the game. Baltimore won the game. And this epic, epic Super Bowl. So Raheem Palmer, flex, baby. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's very difficult to bet against Patrick Mahomes. But I got to give a shout out to that defense because this defense has been lights out the entire postseason. And you look at what the 49ers did. The Chiefs held the 49ers offense to one of their lowest outputs in the Brock Purdy era. So at the end of the day, you give Patrick Mahomes 
a top-tier elite defense. And you saw that the sky was the limit, regardless of whether they have receivers who can catch the ball, regardless of whether they have Tyreek Hill. It just doesn't matter. This team is going to find a way to get it done. And that's exactly what they did. You know, House, it's funny because I think a lot of the narratives going into the game, if you were on the Kansas City side of things, it's, hey, they have this overwhelming advantage with their quarterback. And don't get me wrong, Patrick Mahomes, he may be the best we've ever seen. Maybe it's Tom Brady 1, him 2, whatever the case may be. That'll play out over the next decade. Today's not the day for that. But I didn't get the sense as a San Francisco better, right, that Brock Purdy cost the Niners this game. I thought Brock Purdy did what I expected him to do. He moved the football. He didn't make the big mistake. He was efficient. But I think Raheem hit on something that's important. There were two instances in this game that was so evenly matched, that was so close, that was so intense for three and a half quarters. Those third down stops at the end of regulation and the third down stop that you had in the overtime, let's be real, that's the difference in in some ways between the Niners winning and losing this game. Yeah, I I think that is exactly the right kind of way of of processing this. This game was a 50-50 game from the jump. Like, think about the big picture here. They played five quarters in this football game. There were seven fumbles in this football game. And it came down to the kinds of like one game variance that happens because of, you know, you're playing with that oblong ball that the Raheem's boy Stucky talks about the oblong ball. It's going to bounce how it's going to bounce. It bounced off of a Niners foot on a, on a punt, uh, uh, you know, return. That's the first touchdown the Chiefs scored in the game. They needed a turnover because of the, you know, the turnover. Uh, I mean, the, because of the, 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 the dumb luck of how the ball bounced. Uh, and, and, you know, well, you could go into the X's and O's. Um, our guy, Ben Solak, has his play sheet up today, uh, up on the Internet. You can you could check it out on the YouTubes. And, you know, he does some very nice breakdown of, of like, the run blitz that the Chiefs was was using and, you know, some of the X's and O's stuff. But really, it came down to to, to just, you know, some of the, the, the weird ways that the game is going to go. It wasn't like one team dominated the other. And for sure, it's proper to reexamine the decision that Shanahan made and 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 in in terms of taking the ball to begin the the overtime. It's it's fair enough that if you want to criticize the Niners for not being prepared in the same way that the Chiefs were prepared for that scenario, I think all that's fair. But at the end of the day, you know, it was a one play. We're talking about special teams. They there was a blocked extra uh, a point after attempt. Like that's what it came down to. Those kinds of like weirdo uh, variance plays, not because the Chiefs were so much better than the Niners. JJ. No doubt, and and I'm glad you mentioned the block PAT, and obviously, Raheem, the ball hitting off the guy's leg, and then you have McLeod trying to fall on it. At first, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you touching the ball? Then you go back and you watch the replay, and you totally understand why. Really, their opportunity to bury Kansas City was right after halftime, right after Usher is doing his thing for 25 minutes, fantastic halftime show. Patrick Mahomes made his worst throw of the day. He throws an interception. San Fran's got the ball up seven with a chance to go for the throat. That, to me, Raheem, when you're playing the great one, like I think about it, you're playing Michael Jordan over the years. You're playing the 90s Yankees with Derek Jeter and Bernie and all those guys. These great teams, the Patriots with Tom Brady, if you make a mistake, they are going to capitalize. And when you have a chance to kill them and bury them, You better do it. You better not let them hang around or they're going to find a way to go and win. That's what they do. I think that sequence right at the end of the first half, into the second half, you get the ball north of midfield. Christian McCaffrey doesn't touch the ball once. You come away with Zilch there. That allowed Kansas City to hang around. And we know what happens when indeed that's the case. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that definitely decided the game. At the end of the day, you know, House hit the nail on the head. There were seven fumbles in this game. Kansas City recovered six of them. But like you said, you have to get points on that drive. But I'll take it back even further. If you go to the end of the half, we were watching the game together. When the Chiefs went down 10-0, I 
I placed a bet on the Kansas City Chiefs plus 280 to actually win that game. And one of the reasons why is because they were able to get the last possession of the half and then get the ball back to start the second half. Now, I think Kyle Shanahan made some mistakes in regards to calling timeouts before the half because if he had called his timeouts before the half, the 49ers would have got one more possession before the end of the half. They might get a field goal there in that spot. Excellent point. Excellent point. That was key, but also you have to get points after that Mahomes turnover. And they had great field position. To not get points there, to me, I was very, very comfortable with the Chiefs winning that game. But at the end of the day, the, the 49ers had the ball with four minutes left on the clock. And one first down, they run that clock out. And the funny thing about this game is that you go into this game and it felt like the Chiefs had an edge in terms of kicking. Harrison Buckner versus Jake Moody. Well, Jake Moody made a 50-plus yard field goal. Two this of them. Is a guy, made yeah, two he of made them. two of them. He actually set a Super Bowl record with the most 50-yard field goals made in one game. So I was watching the end of that end of regulation. I thought the 49ers were going to be able to run the run the clock out and Kyle Shanahan was going to be able to erase some of those demons that you saw in the Falcons Super Bowl. You know, I love the chutzpah from Shanahan on fourth down, and I even thought it was risky for him. You know, I missed the goal for it. I'm like, wow, he's going to bypass tying the game right here with a field goal. Goes for it. They end up scoring a touchdown. He looks like a genius. Um, that McDuffie play, I can't state it enough how big, how enormous it was. And McDuffie really all year for the Chiefs has been one of their most underrated and underappreciated players, and he was all over the field in this game. But I do have to get to these overtime rules because I don't know if you guys felt this. It's how it's the first time ever in a playoff game we got to experience how exactly this works. And, you know, I even had people in my life, the great Jerry Ferrara, who I hung with Saturday the day before the Super Bowl, he's texting me at the game. Yeah, great guy. I mean, one of the best. Raheem, we had a lot of star settings. You missed out on Turtle on Saturday. We'll see him in New York uh, for Nick playoff games. But, uh, you know, how he's texting me at the game. Hey, what happens if Kansas City doesn't score at the end of regulation? Because a lot of people were just very, very confused on what was going on, on the strategy of it, what have you. Now, I know what some of the quote-unquote smart, analytical nerd folks are saying, that Hey, if you score and the other team scores, you get the ball, you kick a field goal, you win the game. The reason I have a problem with that house and the reason why I, and I said it to Raheem, we're watching the game together. I said, no, you got to defer here. Kansas City scores a touchdown in that spot after San Fran scores. They're not kicking off. They're going to let Patrick Mahomes two yards with the game on the line, go make a play and he's going for two. That is what everybody is missing here when they're talking about this narrative on what Shanahan should have done. And listen, at the end of the day, Mahomes went down the field. He scored a touchdown. San Francisco did not score a touchdown. So, you know, it is what it is. But I didn't like it at all. And if you're playing a great quarterback and the great quarterback's team knows, hey, if we we kick it off, they only need a field goal to win. I think the way this will work in overtimes moving forward, if that team scores a touchdown, I think you're going to see in a lot of cases the opposing team say, screw it, we're going for two. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with, with that at all. This this was so fascinating, and I really hope. Now, this is only the rule in the playoffs, right? They're not, this rule doesn't Correct. apply. Only playoffs in the playoffs. Only. The, so we're going to have like this extraordinarily small sample size. Um, you know, we, we'll be lucky if we get, you know, a handful more of these overtime games in the upcoming years and i'm not so sure jj you're so hard on the nerd analytics community i i'm not so sure that the numbers conclusively said one thing versus the other thing a lot Over of the analytics co- community came into my dms on twitter that's well, that's why i'm uh, bringing it up here's Pops. the thing it's not even just the analytics community if you watch inside the nfl the chiefs were like they were stunned that Kyle shanahan took the ball they I, I was want- too they was had, right. You actually see raw footage of the Chiefs saying that they wanted to kick the ball off. And when they, right. like, when the 49ers opted to receive it, they were stunned. So they planned on this. And, you know, one of the things that we saw in, in the postgame presser was that the Chiefs, they had the rules committee speak to them about this throughout the entire postseason. And they knew that if they went to overtime, they were going for two. So I just think one team 
was prepared and the other team was. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And that definitely was uh, a, an enormous differentiating factor on balance, like posed the, the question, faced with the question. I think there are there are reasonable arguments for taking the ball first. Um, and because you get it, you know, the third time, if you're able to keep that other team in the same Position. But that's and also assuming, though, that that other team uh, is not going to go for two. That I understand all of that. What I and well, or or that you know the the other team will be satisfied with with a field goal, or the other team will be satisfied with a punt. I think the most reasonable argument for taking the ball there was that the defense was tight and they were just on the field. That's the one thing that I can understand. Now, the one thing I think we haven't covered was that I mean, a lot of people are saying Brock Purdy played well and Kyle Shanahan called a good game. But they never saw the blitz from Kansas City. Every time there was a key spot where the, the 49ers had to pick up a third down, Spag sent that blitz. And you could look at the end of regulation when the 49ers were driving. It was third and four. Spag sent the blitz. And came in on the corner, 100%. Yeah. When you look at that third down, when the, the 49ers were driving overtime, Spag sent the blitz. And Purdy could not beat it. So those two plays were the keys of the game. I, I totally agree with that. And, and the only thing I'll say on the overtime idea is, based on everything that we saw over the course of, uh, of the week, I think you need to have two sets of rules. One set of rules, uh, one rule and an approach that you have when you're not playing Patrick Mahomes and a whole nother set of rules. Because li literally, if San Francisco, by taking the, the ball and wanting to protect its, its defense, the only way, the best way for them to win that football game was to know we're going to go for it on every fourth down. We're not punting and we're not taking a field goal. We're going to go for it on every fourth down because we have to score a touchdown. Now, that does still put you at risk of the Chiefs matching the touchdown and going for two, which we all agree they would have done. But I just think, like, there's one kind of approach when you're not playing Mahomes and a whole nother deal when you're playing you you know what? That's a key point. That's a key point, House, because one of my great friends over at the Action Network, Brandon Anderson, he likes to point out that the Chiefs' only touchdown drive came off the fumble. So what if the 49ers said, you know what? Look, we're not kicking a field goal. We're going to go for it on fourth down and overtime. And if we don't get it, we're going to pin you back. We're going to pin it back. Yeah. And you know what? That changes maybe the strategy a little bit for Kansas City on those fourth down situations where they know, hey, if we don't get this here, you know, it's not like it was where it's like, hey, this, the game's on the line. Screw it. We got none to lose. This could be a situation where you might have the punt in the back of your mind because you're like, hey, we can extend this game by not going for it. It's a great point, Raheem. It's a great point. And listen, I, I think this Super Bowl, as fun as it was, as entertaining as it was, there are three big narratives to come out of it. One, Mahomes, the Chiefs, they're on their way to a dynasty. We all know that. They've they've won three Super Bowls now. They've won back to back. They're talking about a repeat. They're talking about a three-peat. I think the other two narratives from a coaching standpoint, Shanahan, I know a lot of people are gonna say he can't win a big one. I heard the same thing about Andy Reid for a decade in Philadelphia. You keep hanging around, you keep getting teams there. I'm of the belief, guys, sooner or later you're gonna break through. I know you don't. You don't feel that way, House. No, no. I'm just shaking my head. I, I think Shanahan is incredible. I mean, he's going to get there. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I'll say it. I have no problem putting. You're on not. Right I'm now. not going to be a person. Going to win a Super Bowl. I agree. It's a matter I, of when, not if. I he totally will break agree through. He will get a team there. Uh, but the other takeaway I wanted to throw you away, and Raheem, we talked about this when we were watching the game. Steve Spagnuolo should go into the Hall of Fame as one of the best defensive coordinators in the history of the NFL. I mean, I'm sorry. And I know he's played with, you know, Mahomes and Reed, and that makes you look good, right? Like, you don't have to worry about that side of the ball. I understand that. He's got four Super Bowl rings now as a defensive coordinator. Shut down an all-time great giant uh, Patriot team. Now has won three in Kansas City. That's an all-time great game plan from Spags right here. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, anytime you can hold down this San Francisco 49ers offense in the way that they did, like, you got to give kudos to that guy. and. He called the right, he pressed the right buttons at the right time to get Kansas City that win. So at the end of the day, I mean, you go back to the AFC championship game, the Chiefs offense didn't score any points in the second half, and they won that game. And a big part of it was Spag's defense. So, yes, this guy is a Hall of Fame coach, and I'm surprised that there's he's not getting head coaching offers. He should get another shot. If that's something he wants to do, 
And some guys, listen, are not cut out to be head coaches. We've seen that over the years. The great coordinator maybe is not cut out to be a head coach. Spags was with the crummy Rams. He had no quarterback. You know, I'd like to see him get another shot. I would. I'm partial. I know Steve Spagnuolo from his days with the Giants. He's a great guy. I'd love to see him become a head coach one more time. All right, guys, this was a loaded A block. We got a lot going on. We had so much to say here on Super Bowl 58. FanDuel has odds already for next year's winner. And the favorite to win a Super Bowl is not the team that's won it back-to-back years. It's not the team that's won it three of the last five years. And I'm actually not surprised. We'll get into that and maybe some value. All that more. East Coast Bias Boys. Final time for me in February before I depart from South Africa. Well, that sounds weird. I'm coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Welcome back. All right, guys. We already have odds for next year's Super Bowl. It's outrageous. We haven't had a draft. You know, we haven't had free agency. We haven't seen who's been released and what the big move is going to be. But our friends at FanDuel, they, they miss football already. So do I. I'm already depressed thinking about the fact that we will not have a football game in our lives until, you know, that Thursday after Labor Day, at least from a pro standpoint. Now, I'm going to ask our resident numbers guy in this house. The odds have come out for next year's win. And San Francisco is number one on that list. Not Kansas City. The reason being, Raheem, the conference, right? Like, you look at the AFC compared to the NFC, as great as Mahomes, as great as the Chiefs have been, you still have the likes of Buffalo, and you have Lamar in Baltimore, and you have uh, Burrow and the Bengals coming back, and some other teams that want to think they're in the mix. Houston, Miami, just to name a few. And in the NFC, it's like, well, Detroit's the second team. Uh, Dallas and Philly have their questions. I think the odds makers have it right with San Francisco number one. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think I definitely think they have it right. And then obviously, I still think they're using a little bit of last year's power rating, obviously. I mean, we haven't had the draft. We haven't had free agency. I do think the, the 49ers are going to get hit with some cap issues. But the AFC is by far deeper than the NFC. And you look at the division in which they play in. I mean, do you trust the Cardinals to be able to put something together? Do you put, trust the Seahawks? It's really just the Rams. So the 49ers are in prime position to bounce back and be here right again next year. How's you surprised by that? No, not not at all. And the rationale that you guys are talking about is exactly the, the correct rationale. I think we might have unanimity around who the second best team in the NFC is. But I I, I wonder if if we, you know, wrote a name down and put it in a hat, if we'd all come up with the same name for who the third best team in the NFC is, because maybe in the course of talking about some value plays out here, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of that. Well, I think that's a great transition. To me, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you are looking for value as far as who you might like, if you're like, yeah, I'm feeling frisky, I want to take a long shot, greater than 30 to 1, I think you have a much better chance of finding that team in the NFC than you do in the AFC because of the cap issues maybe that San Francisco is going to have or the fact that Detroit, hey, Detroit might be a team that maybe is a little hungover from what happened in the NFC title game. How do they respond and how do they recover from that? Dallas, you know the deal with them. They haven't been in an NFC title game since 1996. 
Philly, they've gone through all this upheaval, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. So, Hus, when you're looking at value plays, I, I get the feeling you're looking at the NFC, not the AFC. Well, I, I have three teams that I like, uh, all of whom are 15 to 1 or, 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 or better, depending on how you define the term. I'm curious better. if we're aligned on these, because I have two circled, by the way. I have okay. two. This two. will be fun. So, okay. Do you want me? I will go one by one so that I don't I don't steal like all the that. thunder. Okay. My A number one favorite on the whole board is the Philadelphia Eagles at seventeen to one. Wow! I did not Whoa. have that myself. Okay. Wow! It's I an incredible number to me for a for a team that came out after the, its own Super Bowl hangover, won ten games, had the best record in the entire uh, NFL. And then it it all fell apart kind of all at once through a combination of some institutional lack of ability to get on the same page, some um, injury stuff. And for sure, you know, just being a team in transition because of the, the, the two missing coordinators, they bring back a lot of talent. They bring back a lot of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Jason Kelsey's retirement is going to impact that offensive line, but that offensive line is a top five offensive line in the NFL. I expect them to be uh, virtually in that same position. I think Kellen Moore is an upgrade on the offensive side. I know Vic Fangio is an upgrade. Speaking of coordinators who like you were better at being coordinators than head coaches. I know Vic, Vic Fangio is an upgrade on the defensive side. There is some transition in terms of defensive personnel. But the Eagles at 17 to one, when I look at the slate of, you know, who they're they're up against, um, part of the thing is strength to schedule wise, they're kind of middle of the pack. They don't have an incredible uh, you know, challenge in front of them because well, they're they not playing a first place schedule anymore. They didn't win that the helps. division. That's not right. The division might have helped them for next year. Here we <laughs> go. Now you're talking. They they brought in, you know, uh um additional supporting, like I Little quiet things. They brought in the uh, uh, interior linebacker coach, uh, uh, Bobby Kirk from the Titans. Like these little nuggets. Like they know where where they were lacking. I bet we see uh, them make some progress in terms of their linebacking core. I just, you take a team that was just in the big game, that knows how to get to the big game. They kept the head coach, which I think is a good idea. I like the idea of, of, of Philly as in this quiet spot. 17 to 1 is a lot. I mean, that, how do you, that's feel, really how, do you how, how do you feel about Sirianni though? Because the guys that in to Philly, me, you got to like him, Raheem. You got to like him if you're investing at seventeen to one, bro. <laughs> you have to. There's, there's no one getting around that. You better be in on Sirianni. I, he didn't make the choice about who his offensive coordinator and who his defensive coordinator were going to be this up this most recent recently completed season, right? I mean, he had to anticipate that both of those guys were going to leave, but there just isn't enough time with the way the NFL. The calendar works to to you go right from the Super Bowl to needing to fill two huge holes and scheme guy. You know, I, I just think it was a big challenge. So I still have faith in, in Sirianni at this stage, Stream. All right. I got one. I'm going a little deeper than that house. 30 to one. Oh, I, and then I know who Rams. it is. Yeah, we're on the Rams. same page. I'm right you here. Know I love them. Uh, to yeah. make the playoffs. It's a great took call. took a shot on them to win the Super Bowl. They lost a heartbreaker. I'm telling you right now, if they had gotten past Detroit, they were a team that not only could have won in the next round, I think they could have given San Francisco hell in an NFC title game. And the issue with them is going to be the health and the status of Matthew Stafford. And I think that's why the number is as high as it is. But they hit on Kyron Williams. They hit on Puka Nakua. They hit on a bunch of young guys in the draft with not having a whole lot of picks at their disposal. They're one of these well-oiled machines in the NFL. And listen, if Stafford goes down because he's an aging quarterback, so be it. I'll take 30 to 1 in a weak conference. I'm taking my chance on that, Raheem. That was the first one that came to mind for me. Rams at 30 to 1. That's interesting. I think for me, the first one that comes to mind is the Cleveland Browns at 45 to 1. And a big reason why is because they have probably one of the best offensive head coaches in the league is Kevin Stefanski. You saw what he did this year. They had four starting quarterbacks, and now you get a healthy Deshaun Watson back. And I know he didn't play well for half of this year, but it felt like he started to figure it out. And you saw that Ravens game where they wanted a few teams to beat the Ravens last year on the road. 
he kind of dominated that second half. So I think you get a healthy Deshaun Watson. Maybe Nick Chubb comes back. You still got the defense with Miles Garrett. You still got Kevin Stefanski. I just think Kevin, I think 45 to 1 is just way too high, even in a tough AFC. Guys, I want to read these odds for anybody who's listening right now or watching here on FanDuel TV. The Niners are 5 to 1. Kansas City, the two time back to back champs, three out of five. They're at plus 650. Never could go wrong with that bet. Baltimore's at 9 to 1. Detroit and Buffalo are at 12 to 1. Cincy, Dallas, 15 to 1. House hit on the Eagles at 17 to 1. Miami at 20 to 1. And then, you know, you have your gap with the Texans, the Packers, the Rams, the Chargers, the Jets. On and on we go. We'll give one more reach. I'm going to give my second one. It's a lot more chalky. Cincinnati at 15 to 1, I would get on board with because here's what I know, Raheem, about the Bengals. They have a quarterback that has shown he can beat the GOAT. And up and down the AFC, Josh Allen has not been able to do it in games that count. I know he did it in the regular season. I don't care. Lamar Jackson has not been able to do it. Tua has not been able to do it. I'm not there yet with C.J. Stroud. Herbert, forget about it. It's not happening next year with the Chargers. The Bengals can do it. Now, I know they're going to have some cap issues, and they might lose T. Higgins. That's the team, though. I still think if you're getting Joe Burrow 15-1, uh, sign me up right now. Those are my two that I'm eyeing up. Cincy in the AFC. LA and the NFC. I, I totally agree with you with the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm a big Joe Burrow guy. And not only has he proven that he could beat Patrick Mahomes, he's proven that he can go into Buffalo and beat Josh Allen. This is a guy who can steady the ship. I mean, he may not be as talented as Josh Allen. He may not be as talented as Patrick Mahomes. But this is a guy who has the pedigree. We've seen him won a national championship in college. To me, if he's out there, the Bengals always have a shot. So I agree with that one. Fellas, in 2024, we got to get with our, our friends at, at FanDuel, come up with some kind of a banner, a trumpet, because when it's a family play, we got to Uh-oh. let the people know this right here, my friends. That's right. Sound the trumpets and wave the banner. <laughs> this, this right here is a full-on family play. The Bengals issue is not on offense. The Bengals are outstanding on offense. This is a team that's been in the play to the Super Bowl. In the last three years, their true issue was on the defensive side of the ball. They never really recovered from losing their two outstanding safeties, uh, Jesse Bates and, and Von Bell, both of whom went on, you know, to do great things for the teams that they they went to. Um, they have a, a young secondary that gave up the most explosive uh, plays in the entire NFL. They were in the bottom five in terms of, of first downs. They gave up bottom five in yards per play. Like, all the metrics are against this defense. That's a personnel thing that the, the Bengals are capable of solving. The most important thing for the Bengals is they have Joe Burrow and they have big Captain Lou still there riding shotgun over top of that defense. I think that they, they, they got some good um, performance out of some young talent. If they can retool a little bit and deal with the fact that that those two safeties are gone, they never really recovered from it. Love this Bengals bet. We are all over it, fellas. All right, I like the sound of that. Raheem, you got one more for us? I don't have one more, but one thing I will say is that, like, at this point, I don't know how you can go against Kansas City. And it is just, it's just a good it's, bet. Listen, I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm, right now you're getting 650. Uh, and I think they'll be better in the regular season next year, too, Raheem, because their cap situation's better. They're a young defense that's only getting better. Now, the only guy that could lose here is Chris Jones. That's the only thing you might have to keep an eye on. But, yeah, dude, you tell me right now you're betting Kansas City to win the title. Who's who's talking you out of that? I, I almost kind of just look at it like, you know, you're just putting away money for retirement. It, it's just at the end of the day. <laughs> put it in the 401k. You put it in the 401k. You get the best price you can and just let it sit there. Because at the end of the day, we know that, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, is what he's been to, six, seven AFC title games now? At this point in time, we know they're, they're going to be there. So just find the best prices you can get, whether it's before the regular season or during the regular season when they have a losing streak or something, and then just let it sit there because they're going to be in the top four as long as they have Patrick Mahomes. And this was supposed to be the year they weren't playing in an AFC title game or they weren't playing in a Super Bowl because, hey, they, they got cap issues. Hey, they got a young offense. They got nobody can catch the ball. Yeah, well, what else is The new? Chiefs led the league in drops. And then when it mattered, they still got it done. They had to go on the road 
it, it's, it just didn't matter. So at the end of the day, we know that they're going to be there. And as long as they're there, you're going to put yourself in a good position to hedge later and get some free money. So put that in your back pocket. Guys, when we come back, we'll see the future as we hit the all-star break at the NBA, past the halfway point at the NBA season. And I think we are in for one wild ride when it comes to April, May, and June because this baby got a lot of intrigue, a lot of interesting turns this NBA season, a lot of unfamiliar faces at the top of, well, a certain conference. We'll get to that. East Coast Bias, we'll come right back. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. All right, fellas, we've hit the... I don't even want to say the halfway point because it's an act. Hit the all-star break in the NBA, which basically means you're getting ready for the home stretch of games once we come out of this weekend and we go into February, March, and April. And you know how, listen, the Eastern Conference right now, Boston is the team to beat. I'll be the first to tell you that. Jason Tatum's playing out of his mind. Porzingis coming in has obviously transformed and has taken that team to a different level. But they got to get through the season unscathed with injuries. Then you look at the Western Conference. And I know Denver's there, but you got a lot of teams at the top of the Western Conference that you're not used to seeing, at least recently, at the top of the Western Conference. The Minnesotas, the Oklahoma Cities of the world. So, generally, as we go into March and April, what are the sto- what's the storyline you're looking at from an odd standpoint here? Because to me, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what do I... I know Boston's the team to beat. I know I like Boston the most in the East. I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with the Western Conference, dude. Well, I think that is the challenge um, for sure. The, the you know, the, the lesson with the NBA is there's really only five or six teams that can win it. And, and you know, year after year after year, um, that, that proves to be the case. Uh, this year, I would be inclined to say, you know, I'd, I'd whittle it down a little bit, but um, I'm not going to exclude the Miami Heat because that would be the team, you know, in, in the East. In the East, I'm fine with the idea of Milwaukee. Boston is obviously, you know, everything with Boston depends on Kristaps Porzingis. So I'll knock on wood for the Podfather and all of my my good friends up there in Boston uh, Green Nation. But, um, you know, you can't under any circumstances. We've now been taught this lesson. Do not underestimate or, or or undervalue what Miami is capable of. In fact, maybe try and catch them on a losing streak. There were only, JJ, to your point, we're only less than 30 games left. So try and catch Miami on a losing streak and then go in there and find their odds to win the Eastern Conference because that's the way to play it. In the West, I think we have a lot of great stories, but I think we have two contenders and one team that might, um, be a surprise. The contenders are the Clippers and 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 the Nuggets. The team that I think um, could be a surprise, the Dallas Mavericks. I wait, 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 wait. Not even mentioning the teams that are one and two respectively right now. You're out on Minnesota. You're out on Oklahoma City. The odds makers agree with you on that house too. When I look <laughs> at the odds to win the title, you're in unison with the odds makers. Yeah. Why so, the Dal- I, I, I need to hear about the Dallas Mavericks. I know they have Luka Doncic. I know he's having a great year. But you got to break this down. So it begins and ends with that, right? It does begin with with Luca, uh, a guy who's made he's he's carried much worse teams to the Western Conference Finals twice, and I think this is the most talent defensively that the Dallas Mavericks have assembled since Luca has entered the league. The key to this Dallas team is your boy Aaron Rodgers, Kyrie. Will Kyrie? keep his head on straight for these final 30 games and get them to the playoffs. Cause I think that Dallas is capable of going on a run super underrated. Those additions of PJ Washington and Daniel Gafford. I was a very quiet trade deadline. What those guys mean to Dallas defensively is it takes so much pressure 
off of other guys who were being asked to play roles that were, were like, they're just not fit for it. You can't a ask uh, Maxi Kleiba and uh, um, Derek Lively and, and, and Powell to, to keep carrying this, this, this bulk of the load defensively. We know that they, they, they couldn't do it. It's why the Dallas Mavericks made the decision to, to you know, mini tank at the end of last season. The, the version of, of what they have now, they have immediately, because of what they acquired in the trade deadline with Gafford and, and P.J. Washington, they have length, they have some rim protection, they have flexibility. And I'll take Luka, a motivated Luka, an MVP, you know, let's not forget about Luka over these next 30 games uh, candidate, along with a guy who made the game-winning shot in an NBA Finals, that team is live as far as I'm personally concerned. Interesting. See, I, I don't see it that way myself, House. I love you. I just think That's the fine. conference, there's too many teams I trust more than Dallas, Raheem, and that includes Denver. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm probably going to have egg on my face. I'm more confident in the Clippers in Phoenix right now than I am Dallas. You, you know what? Well, I'm going to be honest Phoenix with you. in there. You can't put Phoenix in there. Sorry, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Tuesday night's game with, well, rather, Monday night's game between the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Clippers, it was very, very telling for me. And, and you guys know, for the longest time, I could not quit the Clippers. No, you love the Clippers. You love But the this Clippers. is a team that is extremely small. And we know Ty Lue. What's his strategy when you need something to happen? He likes to go small. He treats going small like it's draw four and uno. Well, you can't do that in today's league. Not when you have Nikola Jokic. Not when you have the Minnesota Timberwolves playing two bigs and call Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves, with that defense, which is one of the best in the league, they're a team that's going to cause a lot of problems in the postseason. So you think there's good value, and it's crazy saying it, Raheem, because they're a number one seed at the moment. So, like, if you were just looking at that, you'd be like, wow, Minnesota, how the hell am I going to get value? The odds makers aren't there. They're still putting them in that 20 to 25 to 1 type of range. I mean, all you need to know, the Knicks have better title odds at the moment than the Minnesota Timberwolves, and that's what the Knicks having a cavalcade of injuries with Randall and Ananobi, just to name a few. So you see that total with Minnesota, 20-something to 1, you like it. That's what you're telling me. I'm not necessarily saying I like it, but I do think this team is being slept on. And a big reason why they're being slept on is that their late-game offense has been a problem. This is not a great offensive team, but they are a big team. They can lock you down. If you look right now, the Oklahoma City Thunder don't have a lot of playoff experience. They have better odds than the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I think that should be reversed, if you ask me. I think this Minnesota Timberwolves team, if they played the Oklahoma City Thunder, they would beat up on them inside, and I think they could beat up on the Clippers inside. I mean, they absolutely dominated the Clippers the other night, and I think this Clippers team, I don't know how they're going to match up with Minnesota. I don't know how they're going to match up with the Nuggets. I still think the Nuggets are coming out of the West, but don't sleep on Minnesota. Yeah, and listen, the odds makers agree with you. Boston at plus 260, Denver at plus 440. Clippers, third on that list at plus 550. Milwaukee at 6-1, to one, and then you start looking at the long shots. Phoenix, the Knicks, the Cavaliers, on and on we go. Um, Eastern Conference, Raheem. Bucks, Knicks, Cavs, Heat. Biggest threat to Boston. By far, the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I think Milwaukee. People, okay. Like, I know I'm one of those guys who just hire on them than mostly everybody else. But like I said before, this team has cons consistently struggled to score in the postseason previously. Now you got Damian Lillard and you got Giannis Antetokounmpo. I can guarantee you they'll have a better offense this year than they've had any other time during the Giannis Antetokounmpo era. And I think offense is your floor in today's NBA. So I just... I think Doc Rivers is going to slowly make this team better. I mean, they were a complete mess previously. So, I mean, we know Doc Rivers, he's, he's blown a ton of 3-1 leads, but he brings competency to franchises. This team is going to be competent going forward. So, I, I think they have a shot. House, would you be willing to invest in somebody other than Boston and Milwaukee and East? No. And that includes Miami. I mean, I'll, I'll put a speckle on it out of respect because of, of all that I, I respect. Past but I history, do, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The past history I, tax. I understand I, that. That's exactly right. The past history tax. I couldn't put it any better. Um, but but this season, the way it lines up, um, I'm on Milwaukee and Boston. That's, I mean. What, what is your thoughts on the Knicks? Because they got to get healthy. Right now, Raheem, I can't 
as as much as I love the trade deadline, and I thought it was brilliant by them. They kept all their first round picks. They get Bogdanovich, who could shoot the ball. Burks has played with them, and he's he's tough on D, and he knows what Tibbs is looking for. But unfortunately for the Knicks, Julius Randle is still waiting on him to come back. OG Ananobi is going to miss another two or three weeks. And I almost feel like for the Knicks, for them to have value in the East or to get really nuts, they got to avoid Boston, I think, as long as possible. So that means they probably got to find themselves in that two or three spot. And are they going to be able to get to that two or three spot if they deal with all these injuries? And not only the injuries. I mean, we know Julius Randle has probably been one of the worst postseason performers that we've seen in the last 10, 15 years. So if you told me that Julius Randle could be his regular season self in the postseason, I would trust this Knicks team because I like what they did with OG Ananobi. I like how Jalen Brunson is playing, but they need somebody to take the pressure off and it has to be Julius Randle. So I'm not comfortable betting them right now, but they were very intriguing for me for a while. Guys, we got a lot more coming up. Uh, we got NBA All-Star Game this weekend. fandle has got a few things on tap. We'll, we'll fire a better two. And we'll also maybe throw a little prop bet in for my travels in South Africa and the lions and the elephants and some of the stuff I may be seeing in my absence. We'll come right back. All right, guys. All-Star Weekend coming up. Uh, NBA takes center stage. They got a bunch of fun things you can get involved with. They got the three-point contest. They got the All-Star Game. The West is minus three against the East. I'm glad they've gone back to the West-East format that I grew up with. Uh, I'm telling you right now, here's the point for me. Jalen Brunson, it's been his year. It's his first All-Star game. 7-1 to win the three-point competition. I'm in, dude. Sign me up right now. I'll take the flyer at 7-1 to on my guy. Jalen Brunson, there you go. Okay, I'm not going to argue with it. I, I thought uh, my, my lean was into um, Trey Young at plus 550 just because he's he's been there. He's been in this contest a couple few times, and you know it might be the lone uh, bright shining star for the Hawks this season because they they're on the outside looking in. Uh, Trey Young does rise to the occasion, but I, I'm not mad at that Brunson pick. Dream, do you have anybody for this three point shooter? So the one thing I've noticed the last couple of years is that I mean, there's always a long shot, and like we had called Anthony Towns win this at eleven to one. Well, by the way, seven to one in this year's competition, seven to one. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of just got to play a long shot and then hope that I can, it gets to the later rounds and I can hedge it. So I'd be looking at Laurie Market in the 8-1 to one or Donovan Mitchell at plus 950 just because, I mean, at the end of the day, anything could happen. I mean, all of these guys are great shooters now. This is not like the past to where you would just have, you know, those three-point specialists. Everybody can shoot now. So it's just a matter of variance. So let's just take the largest numbers and then try to hedge from there. Do you get involved, House, on betting on the game? Or is that like a hard pass for you? It almost always is a hard pass. Although I will say this year, I'm looking at it long and hard. I'm thinking um, about the East because the West has Joker who says, I like, don't put me in this game. Yeah, he's I, not I, interested. He's yeah. not interested <laughs> he's, in the All-Star game. No, he don't care. So motivation wise, you know, if, if you can come up with uh, justification for the East catching points, I, I, I kind of don't mind it. Raheem, you have a strategy for this? I mean, if there is one. Well, I mean, for me, you look at the last couple of years, we've seen these point totals absolutely explode. So um, a lot of times I'm playing overs early. And then I'm wait, waiting until the last minute with ELO ending and trying to catch an under later. And I'm trying to middle it. But I believe last year we gave you guys the MVP. And it was Jason Tatum, I believe. I yes, think it we gave, was. We gave yes, you it that, was. We gave you that last year. Now, I'm still kind of looking for one right now. I think, you know, a good one would probably be like an Anthony Edwards. You're looking for somebody. You're looking for a rising star, a guy who just wants, you know, like a guy what who about just, Tyrese Halliburton, Raheem? I can see him. Like I, I can definitely see him. I'm looking. Oh, like when I my strategy for MVP is who is a guy who wants it, who hasn't gotten those accolades yet, who is right there at this, like about to be a, a star in this league. So I look at guys like Anthony Edwards, like a guy like Devin Booker. Uh, like who's going to be motivated for this? That's what matters because at the end of the day, you got to be motivated. You got to score about 30, 35 points. So I think guys like that. We'll come back, wrap up East Coast Bias, my last show of February. Where am I going to be? I've kind of hinted at it. We'll we'll let you know one more time. We'll come right back.
All right, before we say goodbye, uh, my New York account didn't have the dunk contest odds. I can't forget about that. Raheem, you got to play? For the second year in a row, we have a G League player in the dunk contest, Matt McClung, minus 190. This is what he does. He's a professional dunker. Minus 190. You got to take it. He's going against Jalen Brown, um, Jacob Toppin, um, Jack West Jr. He's going to win this. Take the 190. You lay in a 190 house? Of course. I, I listen to Dream when he says it's a lock. Hey, we listen to our guy Raheem Palmer whenever we can. Now, guys, you're going to have to hold down the fort the next two weeks. I'm going on my belated honeymoon. I waited until football season came to a close. I'm going to be back for March Madness. Don't worry. I'm going to be back for the NCAA tournament, baseball, and all that good stuff. But, House, uh, I think the prop bet has got to be, what do I post first on Instagram? A lion, an elephant, or a rhino? I'll let you choose. I was going to say giraffe. You didn't. I want to go. A giraffe, me, even better. <laughs> well, fellas, I, I fully expect that you guys will have outstanding content that I can listen to when I'm on my honeymoon in South Africa. So Raheem Palmer and Joe House will uh, be a tag team duo. A- and then the triple threat will reunite. Once we hit the month of March, I want to thank Stefan. I want to thank the whole crew, Tucker and everybody, for taking care of us here at East Coast Bias. The boys will be back next week for Raheem House. JJ signing off. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem for 100 Gambler. Or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 100-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700. Or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.